jump into the word this morning, and I just wanted to get before you because I just want you all to know the Lord has spoken to my heart, and I just want to share what's going on inside my heart. And if you're new, we welcome you here. Can we give all of our new folks, I see a lot of new faces in the room. How many enjoyed uh, Veronica's sermon last week? Didn't she do a good job? I told her, I told her this morning that I have big shoes to fill, so here we go. But also, back to school Sunday's coming up in a couple weeks, and we are going to do a lot of things out in our, pro- our parking lot after church on Sunday. Kona Ice is free to everybody, so you'll get your Kona Ice. We're going to have hot dogs. We're going to have games. We encourage you to help us out. We need some volunteers to help us. We're going to have some bounce houses and those kind of things. So Pastor Cody's right here in the front. Pastor Cody, wave your hand so everybody can see you up here. Um, talk to him after church. I would love for you, if you want to gather up here, he can share with you what we have needs of. But we want to get involved because we believe this is one of our big services of the year where we pray for our students. Uh, also we pray for our teachers and we give every teacher a gift on behalf of our church and I just want to say thank you for your giving in that so that's coming up but today as you can see on the screen there's a word called revival and how many y'all know we've been listening to this word being tossed around it seems like every day since the since COVID started since the end of COVID and how many in this room we are praying for another revival to hit before Jesus comes we want that don't we I want that Well, last Sunday, I don't know, as I was standing up here on this front row, the Lord just switched something into my heart. As you all know, this July is five years that my family and I have been here at Madison Assembly of God. And oh my goodness, what a ride it has been for my family. I will be honest with you, you know, this is the first pastorate that I've ever pastored as a lead pastor. And I'm going to probably have to write a book that apologizes to all of you because I've been learning so much over these five years. It's funny how you come into a place and you think you know everything and you realize you knew, you know nothing at all, right? And you know, dealing with various things that we've had to go through just with the culture, understanding and learning how the church operates. And I, I've listened to many of you, many of you have shared with me your hearts, things that you want to see. And I will be honest with you over these first five years, Really, three things God dropped in my heart as we came to this church. The first is healing. How many of y'all know healing, and I'm not talking about physical healing, which how many of y'all know Jesus can physically heal us, but I want to talk about church healing because we know that in the past it's been hard. It's been a hard, it's been lots of things that's happened here, and I felt like coming in these first five years is all about healing and understanding that we are who God wants to be in this house. You are here for a reason, and every one of you has something to give to this place, right? Come on, amen, everybody. Everyone matters. You're here for a reason. God has strategically placed you in this house. The second one was balance. I, I felt like we needed to bring a balance to all that we do, right? Um, sometimes we can be so crazy in one way that we forget that there's a bigger picture when it comes to looking at following Jesus. The, th- the third one was mission. I felt like we've got to get back on track with missions and sending money out and, and bringing finances in, letting our community know that Madison Assembly of God is here, where we want to be a presence in this community, and we want to be hands out where we give so that this community can continue to reach people that are hurting, that needs help, that needs Jesus. Amen, everybody? But over these last several weeks, I told the staff, we've been going through the summer series, I said, I'm changing directions. The Lord has spoken to my heart. The word, let me just say this. Many of you know that when I come in, the Lord drops words in my heart. And the word that God has dropped in my heart is power. We can heal, we can love, we can give to missions. But how many of y'all know we need power to do what he's called us to do? And so as I was standing there, the word power came in. And so I will be honest, I've, as my mind thinks, I'm very uh, organizational. I kind of think in steps. And I know I probably frustrate the staff because I'm always, what's step two, what's step three? That's just how my mind operates. And I thought, okay, God, so this word power, maybe I just chew on it for a couple more months. In 2023, we go hard and we just focus on the word power and what that means. And the Lord said, no, I want you to start this Sunday. And here's what happens We all know that just a few short days ago in our own, real close to us in Greenwood, Indiana, a gunman goes into a mall and shoots people, right? Listen, everybody, we don't know what life holds in the next hour. We don't know what life looks like a year from now. Many of us are worrying about things that will happen in 10 years when we don't even know what the next 20 minutes is going to look like in our life, don't we? 
And so what the Lord is sharing in my heart that I feel like I want to talk to you about, and I don't know how long this is going to be, so for you that are members of our church and you that are new, I don't know how long this is going to go, but the Lord has placed in my heart this word called power, and if we're going to have power, there's a process to get to revival. There's a process to get power and spiritual living in your life. It's called spiritual formation. And what I want to talk about today is, what is spiritual formation? What does it look like? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Now, here's my question to you. Are you all ready to go on the journey with me? Listen, I told our staff, I don't know if it's going to be four weeks, 12 weeks, a year, two years. But I'm following what the Lord has dropped in my heart because I know many of you in this room, you're dealing with things that if it's not for the power of God, you're not going to be able to get through it. Counseling is good, and you need to go to counseling. But how many of y'all know there's some things we need the power of God to get us through? Some of you are dealing with physical issues. The doctor says this, you have this disease, or you have this issue. But how many of y'all know there's only some things that God can step into the picture, and his power is what transforms that and changes that circumstance, so that when you go to the doctor, the doctor says, I can't explain it, it's a miracle. How many of y'all want the power of God in your life? You know, some of you in this room, children. How many of y'all know children can be rough sometimes? You raise these little kids and you change their diapers, you feed them, and something happens to them when they grow up and they think they know it all and they want to argue with you about everything, don't they? Not my kids. My kids are perfect. I just want y'all to know that. We're all dealing with things. Even our relationships, let me just share this, marriages, I know some of you in this room watching online, your marriage is in shambles, and if it's not for the power of God, you don't know what you're going to do. Relationships with a mom, a dad, relationships with a family member, you don't know what you're going to do, but the power of God is going to have to step in. uh, Pastor Cody gave me a really amazing book that I've been reading called The DNA Relationships, and As I was reading this, it gave me a lot of ideas because we really believe in family here. That's one of our passions at Madison Assembly of God. We believe in family. We believe in marriage between a man and a woman. We believe that marriage is where children should be brought up in when a mom and dad together love Jesus. We form this complete picture of who Christ is. So we talk about that. So I was reading this book, DNA, and it began to talk about how when we get into arguments, conflicts, and fight... The issue is never the issue. It's always something that's deeper inside of us. And I'm here to tell you that many of us, all of us in this room, we have some insecurities in our life that when we get into conflicts, all of a sudden it's not the conflict, it's the fear that you hold on to inside that triggers the situation. And some of us in this room are continuing to dance around conflicts when they need to be under the blood of Jesus and you need to be further along than where you are now. Come on, somebody. So all these things that we carry into the church, all these things that we carry in our day-to-day, we need something that's bigger than us. Yes, the love of God is great. Yes, missions is great. But in all these things, we need the power of God that's operating inside of us so that sometimes we know when to keep our mouth closed. Come on, somebody. Or we know how to control this thing called our mind when our emotions go out of whack and begin to tell us things that's not true. That's why we need the power of God that's in operation in our life. Amen. So I'm going to take you on this journey. And today I want you to go and pull out your sermon notes. I'm going to give you some things. And listen, don't be afraid. There are 12 things that I'm going to give you on here. We're going to go through them fast. But these 12 things are what we are going to break down over the next few Sundays of what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean for power to operate out of us so that we can get into those conflict situations and we bring peace there, where we bring the mind of Christ there. Whatever fears that we have, we bring a sound mind, a a spiritual mind to that process. So I want to start in John chapter 6. And man, I tell you what, this scripture came alive. Now, there's a lot of verses this morning, so you're just going to bear with me. I'm going to read through them quickly. But then we're going to break some three thoughts out of this, and I'm going to give you the 12 facets of what it means to be a spiritual person following Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 22, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. But the disciples had gone away alone. 
Verse 23, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had did, had, had did what? Now, let me share with you what happened. Y'all remember the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, right? This is the after story. This is what happened after the feeding of the 5,000. The scripture says the people got up the next morning and Jesus was gone. Where are you, Jesus? Hey, where's he at? What's going on? Well, there's only one boat here. The boat's still here. The disciples are gone, but Jesus wasn't with them when he left. So let's move on here. The Bible says this. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats, went to Capernaum, and what were they doing? They were seeking Jesus. So I will start off, oh man, this is amazing. How many of y'all know when Jesus is missing, when power is missing out of our life, we have got to go seek after it, don't we? We've got to go find out, where did Jesus go? My prayer for Madison Assembly of God is that we never wake up the next morning and we realize Jesus is gone. So let me just say this to our worship team, to all of our leaders, to those that are working as leaders of this church. It is important that you get rid of secret sins out of your life. It is important that the Spirit of God operates in you. Because listen, where God is going to take us, if we're not in alignment with what he is saying, it's going to affect the whole. So as a pastor, there's things we're going to call out. There's things we're going to have to address because I don't want Jesus to be missing from our church. I want Jesus to be with us. And you remember, it's grace and truth. Amen, everybody? Grace, God's grace, but there's also truth that we have to speak what the word says. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, they got into the boats seeking Jesus. Now listen to this. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you leave us? But notice what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. But Lord, I love you. We did this in your name. Lord, we cast out demons. We did this. And all of a sudden, what does the Lord say in the last days? I don't know you. We did all these things. And Jesus says, listen, you're not following me because you love me. You're not following me because I'm the Messiah. You're not following me because I'm the Christ. You're following me because I filled your bellies yesterday with bread. <laughs> the question for us today is why are you following Jesus? Are you just following him for miracles? Are you just following him so that your bank account can be full? Are you just following him so that you can look good and look the part because you go to church on Sunday and you can tell everybody? Because, you know, sometimes Christians are good at wearing masks. Now, listen, this is not a condemning sermon, all right? I'm just telling you what's in my heart. And I'm talking to myself. When I have the preacher finger pointed at you, I have three pointing back at me, all right? The Bible says, you're not following me because... You see the sign, you're following me because I've filled your bellies up, right? He goes on and says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to what? Can everybody say the word with me? Endures. Endures. Endures when prayers are not answered. Endures when things are not going the way you think they should. Enduring because you follow Jesus and you thought it was going to be easier than what it is. Endures when marriages still struggle. Endures when kids talk back. Endures when the pastor upsets you. Endures when the person sitting next to you forgot your, your birthday today. It endures because it's not the miracle. It's not you. It's him that I'm following after because I love Jesus. He says, do the work. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. And how many is glad we serve a Christ who cannot be overtaken by the enemy? Verse 28 says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who, has sent, who he has sent. So they said, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? You see, Jesus tells him, just believe on me. But they're still wanting to see something, right? They're, they're, they're still wanting to see Jesus do 
You know, when Herod took Jesus in before they crucified him, they blindfolded Jesus and someone smacked him. And what did King Herod do? He said, tell us who smacked you. We're always trying to look for a sign to prove that Jesus is real, right? And here's the thing. We see signs all around us. The birds are singing. The sun is shining. You're here. Some of you should not be here this morning. Some of you are walking miracles and you degrade what Jesus did for you because you feel like you're not good enough because the enemy has gone in and said, you're nothing, right? There's signs all around us. But here's the deal. Do you believe? Even when you don't see. Jesus said to his disciples, you've seen my scars. You've seen my hands. You've seen the crown of thorns upon my head. You believe, but blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. Do you believe this morning? He went on there. So they said, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And verse 31 says, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to what? The world. And they said, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall what? Never thirst. What is Jesus saying? I am everything that you have need of. If you will follow me and believe in me, you will never hunger. You will never thirst. And these folks are having a hard time because they can't understand what Jesus was saying, right? He goes on, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never, what? How many are glad that the Lord never gives up on us? As your pastor, I'm just going to stand before you and tell you that I am not perfect. I have my days where if you would see how my actions and my reactions are, you'd be like, you shouldn't be the pastor of Madison Assembly of God. Come on, somebody. I get mad when my weed eater don't work. Come on. I get upset when I'm misunderstood, right? We all need Christ. But thank God that he will never cast us out. Verse 38 says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing for all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have what? Eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? He does now say, I've come down from heaven. Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who has sent him draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has what? He says, eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the bread that you need to eat of. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him for, the, for life, let's we start over again. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my. Jesus said, I'm giving myself so that you can be saved. In all religions of the world, it's man trying to get to God. In Christianity, it's God coming to us. He sent God, his son, Jesus, to us. All right, let's move on. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. How many of y'all know there is no other way? There is no other way to salvation. It's only through Jesus. It's not by works. It's not be going before a prophet or a priest and confessing. It's, it's not doing all the things that we see in the worldly powers of this world. It's coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I believe upon you. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Make change in my life, Right? The Bible goes on and says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Verse 57, we're almost done. 
And as a living father sent me, and I live because of the father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Let me clarify this. Let folks understand what it means to truly follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. The dialogue that's taking place here is this. In this Jewish culture, there's all these rules and regulations that you got to follow. There's all these things you've got to do, right? There's all these things you got to have symbols and all. And Jesus is coming in and saying, no, none of that matters anymore. All those things have pointed to me, the Messiah of this world. And the only thing that will save you, satisfy you, and give you what you need is Jesus, is Me, the Son of God, is what Jesus is saying to these people. They're struggling because they want signs and wonders and all these things. They want to see it with their eyes. How many of y'all know we want to see it sometimes before we will commit to it? Jesus, are you able to get me through? Do this and then maybe I will follow you. And the problem is, as we go through our life, there are hurts every day. Churches let us down. People let us down. Pastors let us down. Um, family members let us down. Husbands and wives, we let each other down all the time. But the question is, are we going to trust God in the process? So there's three things I want to give you. But before I do, I want to talk about what biblical spirituality is. What does it mean to be a biblical, what does it mean to be biblically spiritual? Here's what it is. I'm going to write this down. It's not on the screen. It is a Christ-centered. Everybody say Christ-centered. It's a Christ-centered orientation to every component of your life. Where you work, what you do, how you treat your neighbor, how you treat your marriage, how you treat your children, how you come to church, what we do in church. It's a Christ-centered approach in every area. We don't compartmentalize various things such as, all right, Monday morning, I'm going to go live any way I want to, Monday through Saturday, then I'm going to come in here on Sunday, lift my hands, and act like nothing ever happened over Monday through Saturday. Are you all following me? It's a Christ-centered orientation to every component of life through the mediating power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Meaning that the Holy Spirit is with us, He mediates in our life, teaches us, trains us, speaks to us, so that when we get into those hardships, that the power of God comes out of us. Do you all follow me this morning? It means Christ-centered in every aspect of our life, and the Holy Spirit is there driving us forward. That's what biblical spirituality means. It means when I get in my car, I live like Jesus. When I'm at home by myself and you're not with me, I live like Jesus. When I get into a conflict and a misunderstanding, I live like Jesus. When I get into a situation I don't understand, the banker comes and says, I don't know where some of this money is gone. I live like Jesus. When I go to the doctor and the doctor says, we found a, a spot on your lung, I live like Jesus. I wake up tomorrow morning and a family member passes away. In those moments, I live like Jesus. How many of y'all know this is harder than done sometimes, isn't it? But what I want our church to be, if we're going to have the power of God, we have to be Christ-centered. And we are human beings. We're going to have those days of disappointments. We're going to have those days of fear. We're going to have those days where we don't understand. But that's where the whole body of Christ comes in because we help one another. We stand by each other and we encourage each other. We walk through the the hardships with each other. Because how many of y'all know we all have hardships in our life and we all have things inside of us that we don't want anyone to know. There are insecurities, there's fears, there's frustrations. There's lots of things that goes on inside of us. But living biblically spiritual means that Christ is the center. And sometimes when I don't understand, I'm going to take him and trust him and believe in him. And then I'm going to ask you for help when I need it. Come on, somebody. So there's three things I want to give you as we understand biblical spirituality. Number one is this. When we look at this passage, the question I have this morning is, are you hungry for spirituality? Do you have a hunger to be a spiritual person? Do you have a hunger to be Christ-centered in every aspect of your life? The Bible says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Some of us come to church because this is what we have done all of our life. Our mom and dad brought us here, so this is what we do. 
And we have never made that personal decision to say, Jesus, I want you to be Christ-centered in my life. We just do it because that's what we know. That's what our mom and dad did with us. And that's why I'm here this morning. Maybe you're here and the Lord did a great miracle in your life. But the question is, are you still hungry for more? Listen, so many people come to the altar, they get saved. And all of a sudden, they live like, man... The word I'm thinking of is berserk. They're crazy. Man, Jesus saved me. And oh my goodness, I can't do those things. And then, and then weeks and time goes by. And then what happens? It's like kids coming back from church camp, right? We start getting into mundane. We start getting into the normal life. We get bored. We disappoint it. Someone took my, church at, my, my seat at church on Sunday. We start getting angry about things. Church is not what it used to be, whatever it may be. And we get into this mundane and we start losing our hunger for God. If Jesus came into this room and he looked at all of us in the eyes and he said, you don't follow me because you love me. You're following me because of all the comfort that I've given you. What will we say? If we're going to be a spiritual people, we've got to get hungry. Listen, everybody, I'm thankful for all the things that God has done for me. And I will tell you, being raised in a spiritual home where my mom and dad loved Jesus, we, it wasn't perfect. Come on. It was, we, there's some things I saw growing up in my home that if I told you, my dad probably would have been disqualified, okay? But the point is this. We're all following Jesus. And we all need to be hungry after him. And my prayer as we begin to look at this next five years, I want to get hungry for the things of God. I want the power of God to be not only in your life, but in my life every day that as we operate in this world that we live in, we're bringing change and influence to that world. When we go through conflict, when we go through things, when we're disappointed and people let us down and people hurt us, we're able to maneuver through it because we know it's not in flesh and blood that we're warring against. It's spiritual powers and principalities. And the only thing to get through it is the power of God operating in our life. I need to move on. Okay, let's move on. So the first thing is, are you hungry for the spiritual? Are we hungry for God, for the things of God? Are we hungry that when we wake up on Monday morning, we want more of Jesus? We can't wait until Sunday. We start on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we come back and do it all over again. How many of y'all know the more of Jesus that you have in your life, the greater your relationships will be, the more of Jesus you have in your life, the greater influence and change you will bring to the world. Do you all believe that? That leads me to my second point. The second thing is this. we got to be hungry for the spiritual, but we also have to understand that spiritual life is a journey. How many of y'all know it's not going to happen overnight? You're not going to wake up and be this Superman of a Christian. You've got to work at it every day. You have to desire it and want God to influence your life every day. Oh, I thought the Lord was coming back. That scared me. In John chapter 6, listen what he says to the people. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have what? Eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Here's what God is asking for this spiritual life and this spiritual journey. Are you willing to go the extra mile? Are you willing to go all in, no matter what you may face in your life? Jesus said, listen. Eternal life on the last days. In Hebrews 11, the greatest faith chapter of the Bible, we read all these names of men and women who stood. Some of these men and women had miracles happen, but some of them died for Jesus in the, in the fire, uh, in the lions, and whatever that happened, they died in the moment. And the Bible says that some of these did not receive their promise, but they were faithful to the end. Because how many of y'all know this is not where we're supposed to be forever? When we get to heaven... We're going to be in a place you can't imagine. You can't even think because our minds are not able to think spiritual things. So many of us are living for the moment when we need to start putting our eyes on the eternal. Because that's the real promise, everybody. Wow. The early church fathers, as I was going back reading about these men and women, they were living in some hardships. They didn't have the things that we have. I mean, we have podcasts. We have Bible apps. We have uh, YouTube that you can learn anything on. Come on. They, we have all these things. And yet, our hunger for God 
is minimal, right? Listen, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching for us, so I want to encourage us. But we have to understand it's a journey that we're on. We're going to go up on the mountains. We're going to go down into the valleys. We're going to fight battles. We're going to be in celebrations. It's going to be a journey. And I'm telling you this because, listen, everybody, when we become spiritual people, it's going to affect every area of our life, our marriages, our friendships, our church, the employees, employers that we work at. Because there's going to be something different about you. And like anything in life, we talk about this a lot, like anything in life, it takes work. Do you wake up in the morning and your marriage is perfect? In my marriage, it seems like i got to start over every day. Do you have to start over every day, guys? But babe, I bought you flowers and I took you on this date last night. What are you talking about? Well, that was great. This is a new day. Oh, man, right? Y'all, you laugh about that, but listen, if we're going to have strong marriages, you got to fight for it every day. You got to make up your mind that I'm going to make the most of this marriage today. Not what happened 10 years ago. What did the man say to his wife? She says, honey, you don't ever tell me you love me. He goes, babe, I told you the day we got married, if I ever change my mind, I'll let you know. How many of y'all know, ladies, that don't work? Anything we do from our health, how many of y'all know? You got to get up and work it. You got to walk, but I don't feel it. I know, I don't either, right? But anything in life, you have to put the work in. And it goes the same with our spiritual life. There are things that we must do as we follow Jesus. And so I want to talk about 12 facets really quick. Now, go to the picture, if you would. Put the picture on the screen with the jewel. I want you to think of this gym. This gym has 12 facets around it. These 12 things that I'm going to give you does not mean it's step one, step two. It's one thing, okay? One thing that we need to be operating in our life as we become a spiritual person. I tell, let, me, let me tell you this. I truly believe this so strong that what I'm about to give you is going to revolutionize and change every area of your life. It'll make you a better husband, a better wife, a better boss, a better employee, a better whatever it is that you need. If we follow these 12 things in our life, it will change and revolutionize our life. Do you all believe that? Well, let me tell you. So I want you to think of these 12 facets, and these 12 facets are all part of the same gym, following Jesus. And as we look at this gym, there's 12 things that needs to be in operation. So you ready to go with me real quick here? The Bible says that whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and Jesus says, I abide in you. So as we follow Jesus, and we do the things that Jesus commands us, he abides in us. So let me give you these 12 things real quick. The first one that we're going to talk about over these next few weeks is the first one is relational spirituality. Everybody say relational spirituality. And so I'm going to give you a little snippet underneath and just briefly explain it as we move on because we're going to be talking about these things. And I want you to understand, when you see these 12 things, you're going to realize that number one, it starts with people, and then number 12, it ends with people. Because how many of y'all know we all come to Christ individually, but we grow in community? We need each other. Even Jesus, he's a trinity, he's a Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's a community. We were created for community, that's why some of you are struggling, because you isolate yourself and you don't let people in, right? But God created us for community. So let me go through this, and I want to walk through this quickly, all right? So the first one is relational spirituality. Any walk with Jesus starts with God. So the question is, is what is your view of God? Is your God big enough to take care of you? Is your God who he says he is? Is he the creator of the world? Is he a God that can handle every one of your needs? What's your picture of God? Because then whatever your picture of God is becomes what your picture of yourself is. Some of us in this room, we struggle every day because of what we believe about ourselves. You see, when we love God uh, completely, we begin to love ourselves correctly because how many of y'all know in Scripture, there's a lot to say what God thinks about you. Do y'all know he loves you? Do y'all know he knows your heartaches, your pains? He knows how many hairs are upon your head? Because listen, as we love God and we understand who he is and we understand who we are in the picture of God, we begin to look at ourselves differently and then we begin to influence others. Because how many of y'all know, everything in life has to do with relationships. Even when you go to Target and have to return that thing that you're upset about. You need a relationship to take care of that. Come on, amen. So it's relational spirituality. God, you, what you feel about yourself, then how you treat others. That's one component that we're going to talk about. Number two is what we call paradigm spirituality. It's the temporal versus the eternal. 
I have my relationships and in, in, in it starts with Jesus and me, right? Then me with you and then me with myself, right? But then it's my paradigm, how I think every day. And the question is that God wants us to answer as we began to move into this next five years is what do you think about? Do you always think about the temporal? Or are you thinking about eternity? If we're thinking about eternity, the temporal is not going to matter so much, Right? When we go through our hardships, when we go through our down times, when we go through those times where we feel alone and isolated, because my mind is eternity, I don't worry about what's happening around me because this will pass. So the question this morning, how do you think? And we're going to talk about that. Are you living for eternity? Are you living for tomorrow? Are, 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 we, are we living for what God is going to do? Right? But we're so focused on the day and we see everything that's going on around us. All of a sudden we get depressed and our spirits become weighed heavy because we're just focusing on what's going on around us. We're going to talk about it. If you want to write this down, it just simply means that we need to turn the attention from self to Christ. Number two, number three, I'm going to go through these quickly. Number three is disciplined spirituality. What does this mean? It means the practices of the Lord. Do you all know there are things that we can do to grow closer to God? Did you all know that we need to read our Bibles? You see, the more of the word that you know, the more of God that you know, ultimately then transforms what I think about myself and then how I treat other people around me because I know my God is, are y'all, see, it's all one gem. It's one gem. It's a, it's 12 facets, one thing, okay? I'm going to move through this quickly. But this radical spirituality simply means radical dependence, on Jesus and personal discipline, prayer, Bible study, worship, fasting. Oh, Some of the early church fathers, they even had days where they said, we're going to have a day of silence. If some of you got put into a room where you had to be silent, I'm not sure what you would look like coming out of that. More or less putting our kids into a room without their cell phones without their Xboxes, Playstations. I don't know what would happen to my kids. The funny thing is the, the greatest discipline that you can give to your children is take their phones away. Oh my Lord, you think the end of the world's coming. But isn't it amazing at how crowded our minds have become, everybody? Now listen, I'm not putting these practices in any particular order because listen, those things do not save you. You understand that. But they're disciplines that we bring in as we show Christ that we're devoted to him. That's why every January we do a, a time of prayer and fasting and put our minds first on God because if God's first, everything else will fall in line. Amen, everybody? Number four, motivated spirituality. You can write this down. What motivates you? What makes you do what you do? And I put these three words because everyone in this room, everyone watching on the line, you're looking for these things. All of us want security. All of us want to be significant. And all of us want to be fulfilled, right? And I'm here to tell you that as you walk in spirituality and you follow Christ, Jesus gives you all three of these things. He gives the security that you need, the significance that you need, and he fulfills your life. Because it goes back to the relational part of it, right? How my view of God, how I think about myself, and then how I treat others. When I serve others, how many of y'all know that's when fulfillment comes in our life? What makes you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Number five is devotional spirituality. We need to grow more in love with the Father. And what this means is we become conformed to what we love and admire. What are you devoted to? When I get up on Monday morning and I'm going to get my paycheck and I'm going to work, am I devoted on making Jesus the influence of my company? Do I go in there and, Lord, I want to influence other people for you, so help me be a light in this room. Lord, I'm conformed to your image. I want to be what you have called me to be. So, Lord, I'm devoted spiritually to you. I'm not going to allow anything to affect me. I'm going to follow hard after you. That's the fifth thing we're going to talk about. Number six, are you all with me still? I have, I have just a few more, all right? Here's the exchange spirituality. And this is the one I hear a lot from this church. A lot of people ask about this. This comes into our identity in Christ. How many of y'all know we are saved from sin into salvation? And we have been made to become more and more like Jesus every day. And there's things that the, Jesus, that the Bible says about us. Did you all know that he looks at you as his sons and daughters? Do you know that there's nothing that can come against you? Do you know your identity and who Christ has called you? Listen, if we would understand the power that we have in Christ 
and we came together of all the churches in this community, we would turn this world upside down. But we got to know who we are. Number seven is holistic spirituality. This is Christ's lordship in every area of our life. There's no compartments. But Christ is everything. There is no separation between the sacred and the spiritual. Everything we do should be spiritual. My marriage should be spiritual. My work should be spiritual. Coming to church should be spiritual. When I interact with you and hang out with you, it should be spiritual. Do you follow what I'm saying? Christ needs to be Christ-centered in all things in our life. If Christ is centered, how many of y'all know we would probably have a little bit of less conflict? But as Lord, the Lord of every area of your life. Number eight is what I call process spirituality. And this simply means that growth comes from inside out, not from outside in. So many people are so mesmerized by the title and by the, 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 the bigness of the house or the car, the vehicle, when we realize that those things are good to have, but how many of y'all know, I don't live for those things because what happened inside me is where it starts. And when Christ comes out of me, he blesses me in ways I never thought or imagined. It's living in the person and practicing his presence in the present. It's being, not doing. We're human beings, not human doers, right? It's intimacy versus activity. It's treasuring Christ. And I've said this before, and I don't want to contradict myself. Yes, we need to have eternal perspective, but how many of y'all know we need to practice living in the present? The present, right now. Some of you can't even concentrate on what I'm saying because you're already living in the future of what you're going to eat for lunch. Some of you are thinking, I wish he would shut up so I can go home and mow my grass. Or, oh, tomorrow I have that business report that I got to do. Oh, baby, oh, I got to tell my husband there's a sell at Target tomorrow. When we learn to live in the present, that will change a lot of things. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. As I live in the eternity, I bring eternity into my present. I'm going to love my wife today. I'm going to love my children. I'm going to hug them extra longer today. Are you all with me this morning? I know I am dumping on you like crazy, but this is everything the Lord's been putting on my heart. We're going to talk about it. Let's move on here. So process, it's being, not doing. Number nine, we have, we have just a few more, four more, okay, and we're going to be done. Number nine is spirit-filled uh, spirituality. How many of y'all know the Holy Spirit has a role in our spiritual formation? We need to understand the ministry and role of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk with full energy from Him because it's only the Spirit of God that will get us through the things that we have to walk through. Number ten, don't get depressed, everybody. There's a warfare spirituality. I want you to know that spiritual warfare is not optional. We're all going to face it. How many ever had those days as you follow Christ? There are just things that hit you that you just don't understand. You're just like, where did that come from? That thought or that feeling or maybe that person said something to you that you don't even know. And you're like, where did that come from? How many ever been there? Do you all know that as followers of Jesus, we're in a war? So many of us in this world are living like we're in a cruise ship when God is saying, I want you to be in a warship. Some of us need to get out of our lawn chairs and start manning some guns. Some of us has got to step up and understand that when we get into situations that we don't understand, why did my wife say that to me? Or why did those kids react that way? That's when I need to go to my knees and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want the power of God on my side so that this warfare can be crushed right in front of me. Because I want you to know, sometimes our human words do more harm than just letting the Holy Spirit come in and take care of it. I just want you to know it's not an optional. And I want to tell you, there's really three areas of warfare we're going to discuss. One is the internal. How many of y'all know there's some of us that are in inter internal warfare with our minds? Some of us have external warfare. Did you all know that there's a real devil and demons? Did y'all know that? And then there's the philosophical, the worldly ideas that we have to battle every single day. Let me just tell you a few things. Some of you mistook me not talking about Roe versus Wade as I'm cowering down. I want you to know, I never thought in my lifetime I would see that reversed. But I thank God because life matters to Jesus. 
And we must stand for what is right. We must stand for the innocent children. We must stand for the things of God. And I thank God that Roe versus Wade was overturned. But here's the deal. We have got to step up as a church and take care of these kids that other parents will not want. Thank you. Let me talk about family. I believe in family. I believe in husbands and wives, men marrying women. I believe homosexuality is not from God. It's just a confusion in the mind of a person. Gossiping, backbiking, all these things, they're not of God. Our church, it's important that we come together and we have a lot of people, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, there's a lot of people watching online. It's time to come back. We need corporate community. We have got to be together. That's what it's about. When we are together, we stand strong together. Also, I believe everyone in this room, you matter. I don't care the color of your skin. We all are human beings. We all have something to give. And it's time racism and all these things get wiped out. Because this, when when we get to heaven, everybody, if you can't get along with someone else that looks different from you, oh man, heaven's going to be a hard place for you. Because Jesus said, every tongue, tribe. So I want to be a church that no matter who you are, they come in, they feel loved by God. It's about philosophical viewpoints. Salvation, there's only one way to salvation. It's through Jesus. There is no other way. Number 11, there's another. We have two more. Another aspect of this 12 facets of walking with Jesus. Number 11 is a nurturing spirituality. It means that we produce life, the life of Christ in others. You see, there's two things that we say in the church, evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism is about taking the gospel. And really, evangelism is for the unsaved. It's for those that don't know Jesus. We tell them the good news. We tell them our story. We tell them his story. He's never called you to be a judge or a juror. He's called you to give your testimony. Discipleship, what is discipleship? It's all about motivating one another to growth. As a pastor, this is my heartbeat. Some pastors, missions is everything. Some pastors, uh, going out and doing tent revivals is everything. For me, my pastoring is all about discipleship. I want to see you grow from the inside out. Some of you get upset with me because you want to see the Holy Spirit move, and I want to see the Holy Spirit move too. But here's my deal. I have been raised in the Pentecostal world my whole life. I've seen some people shout, speak in tongues, run across pews, and then Monday morning get out and hurt people like they weren't even a Christian. Listen, I'm tired of all that. I want to see transformation more than an expression. But hold on. In transformation comes the expression. Meaning that when we express transformation, it will be done right. Not to show off or look how good I sound speaking in tongues this morning. I want to see a move of God. But listen, everybody, we have got to have these 12 functioning facets in our life for the Holy Spirit to begin to operate the way it should be. Because the Holy Spirit is not given for you to become number one. Everybody look at you and say, oh, my goodness, look at this person. No, the Holy Spirit's given so that we make Jesus famous, that we make Jesus' name known, so that we do things we could not do in ourselves. And people say, it's not him that did it. It was him that did it. Some of you need to start telling others about Jesus. Then number 12, finally, it's corporate spirituality. And this is where we grow in community. We love others by growing together. We fight together. Spiritual formation grows and develops in community when we're together. I want you all to know, Madison Assembly of God, I need you. I hope you need me. It's good having friendships. It's good setting down and saying, look, I'm struggling in this area. It's good having a spiritual family wrapped around you when you're all alone and you're by yourself. I just want to say my heart was so touched Madison Mission Week on Saturday night over in our Family Life Center, we hosted the meal. And I was amazed at how many new people are here, like Abigail and the John Grasses, Jill, and all those guys that were here, Rick, making the spaghetti. My heart was so touched because when new people come in, it just seems to energize you like never before. And and man, there's been times where it's like, 
I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make this. I don't know if I can do this one more day because I'm a human and I'm struggling with this. And all of a sudden, one of you come to me and say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me today. And it just gives you that extra oomph to make it. So I need you as much as you need me. Yes, I'll let you down. Yes, I've messed up. Listen, this last five years, it's been a real college experience. But have grace on me, all right? Because I have grace on you. But together, we become a spiritual body where God is the head. And if we will walk in these 12 facets in our life, how many of y'all know God will take this church to levels we never thought or imagined? Here's what I want to do today. If you want to go on this journey with me, I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet. I'm going to put a call to action. I'm going to ask all of you that would like to go on this journey. I want you to come forward and find a spot in these altars. Maybe bring your list if you want to. And maybe you say, God, one is one of these facets that I need to work on. And we're going to talk about these over the next several Sundays. So I hope you don't get bored. But we're going to break them down. We're going to understand what does it truly mean to follow Jesus? And these are the 12 things that should be functioning in our life. So I'm going to just invite you to come forward. If you're going to commit with me that we're going to become a spiritual people, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to draw the line in the sand. I'm going to ask you to step over the line. I'm going to ask you to come and find a place. When you come up here, I just want you to find a place and ask God to help you. Whatever area it may be, Lord, maybe my paradigm needs to change. Maybe I need to start thinking more eternally than temporally. Maybe the process needs to change. Maybe you're here and you need more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, don't wait on me. I just want you to come and find a place. This is between you and God. Speak to the Lord right now things that you have need of. Lord, see the hearts of your people. We want revival, God. But in order to get revival, we must lay a foundation. Lord, revival must start in each of our hearts. And so, God, I pray that it would start with me. From this moment forward, God, how I treat my neighbor around me, how I treat that that person at the uh, drive-thru at McDonald's when they have my order all messed up, how I treat my boss in the morning when he tells me I have to work an extra hour. God, that does not mean we let people walk on us, but, God, that means we reflect Jesus in all aspects. Lord, I know there are some here this morning, they're dealing with issues. It could be a marriage. It could be a business decision. It could be a friendship that is, that's going bad or our, our son and daughter. Whatever it may be, God, I pray right now that you would step in our behalf. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us. Lord, there might even be someone here. They're struggling with their relationship with you. They've been hurt by somebody or something has happened to them and they don't understand it, God. Help us understand we are at war. And God, you're calling for men and women to rise up as warriors, to stand and fight the fight that's ahead of us, to fight the fight that's around us. Lord, I pray for every husband, every wife, that we would determine to make our marriages work every day. We don't lean on the laurels of what happened yesterday. We step up and say, okay, what's our next opponent today? Lord, I pray for every one of our people here today, God, that we'd be spiritual. I'm going to be quiet, and I want you to talk to the Lord this morning. Ask Him to strengthen you.